Hey, welcome to Info Under the Radar, the show where we talk with an expert to simplify everyday ideas, concepts, and subjects that surround us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Info Under the Radar. I'm your host, Vishwajit. And I'm Devendra. Devendra, how have you been? I heard you have a new uh, university semester again in middle of pandemic. Maybe you were hoping to go in uh, in spring to meet your fellow students and <laughs> teachers. Kind of, yes. But the, my semester just started like two weeks ago. It's going good so far. So far being the key term. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it towards the end of the semester again. And I'm pretty sure I'll have a different opinion. that okay. Maybe I shouldn't have taken that subject. May, maybe we should start doing like check-ins for Devin's semester how this how they win semester is yeah, going make our audience my accountability <laughs> <laughs> so today we are talking about a, a topic close to many people's heart especially close to our hearts i would say we are talking about sustainability and plastic pollution and we have a very special guest with us uh, eleanor Isaac. it was sort of a very special conversation. I don't know about you, for me at least personally. I mean, we have done a lot of these recordings by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them are out in public. Some of them are not. They will never <laughs> see the light of the day. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and I always enjoyed our conversation with our guests, but I just never felt, you know, this like a deeper connection with a certain topic at a sort of this emotional level, which I felt. Uh, after talking to Eleanor for about an hour on this subject and one of the key reasons for me was not not only the work she have been doing which we will tell you in a, in a bit but also like how much she cares about nature how deeper connection she has for the nature I think some of it is also has to do with where she comes from yeah um, so it's not just that her empathetic relationship is uh, is an onus to her credibility or it's just part of her skill set. And uh, th- she is a very capable guest to discuss about a topic that either is impacting you or you're just not aware because there is no such thing as it, it's not impacting you or it will impact you in future. It is impacting all of us at this point. Mm-hmm. So our guest today, Eleonore Aizad. Uh, is from the same cult as I am, which is TU Munich. Uh, She did her master's from TU Munich in industrial design, and even her thesis itself was about rethinking plastics. Uh, She comes from this beautiful region of uh, South Tyrol, and hence the empathetic connection with the nature she has, which also propelled her into co-founding her startup, which is Beaver, that is a biotech startup working on a recycling process using microorganisms to decompose plastic material into their building blocks. And we'll discuss about it and take a deep dive into this thing during the course of our interaction. Her startup also happens to be a part of 500 plus startup global alliance uh, by the name of Green Tech Alliance, which is a global network of businesses that are fighting this climate crisis. So she has all the feathers in her head that we would have expected from someone to discuss about the topic of sustainability or plastic pollution uh, being in focus for this episode. I think, uh, I mean, when we were doing research, sort of who should we talk to uh, on this topic? Because 
uh, we we really like this topic and we wanted to talk with someone credible so of course she had the credibility and then while having this conversation yeah. which we did not knew that how deeply connected she feels to nature so it was like sort of cherry on top so <laughs> it was definitely a special conversation now what we talked about in our conversation so one of the things we talked about is for example these worms they are using right like we mentioned they are building this uh, recycling process using microorganisms so basically they're using something called wax worms uh, and or meal worms yeah or meal worms i think in their company they're using specifically yeah. wax worms and and they are also basically i think they are past that process i think they're also doing some chemical analysis with their gut and stuff like that i don't know i don't have that much background in chemistry at chemical level what they're doing but at least at uh, surface level they are creating this sort of a unique recycling process yeah. so that uh, a certain variety of plastics can be degraded into their building blocks yeah so if we take a deep dive into how their recycling process in general work and why it this recycling thing is just enough uh you, we have to go beyond that in understanding since uh you listen it throughout the course of the podcast and to quote her uh sustainability climate change or these plastic pollutions this is not an easy problem like th- these are very complex problems that requires collaboration across the board talking yeah. about starting from an individual perspective to talking about some government policies and going beyond the fact that okay corporates needs to be a part of this instead of just demonizing them or making them the enemy of this process that okay we are going to ban plastics and let your workers rot in hell after like being unemployed so it 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 does not come across that way in a more even the solution should be sustainable to a problem about sustainability i think uh, that was a very good point i think she mentions that in general she don't look at a problem as black and white and she she was also mentioning that because especially when it comes to climate change and environment it's it has become very political it's mm-hmm. like you know either you are for it or you are against it either you, you are you are vegan <laughs> <laughs> you you hate everyone who eat meats and then you care about environment or you hate environment because you love your beef so much but but that's not true right i mean i am not vegan uh, or not even vegetarian but i definitely care about environment so so it's it was very interesting to see coming from a neutral point of view and then also not to demonize plastic i mean we tend to demonize plastic a lot as well that yeah plastic is source of all our problems but that was not used to be the case right yeah the source of all our problems is how we were brought up as child <laughs> but uh, that is true as you mentioned earlier as well that elinora does not see the world in a more black and white fashion so we also talk about this single use plastic which everyone has just labeled that okay that that thing that thing on the side of my island that thing on the side of my seashore that is the problem my whales are dying so mm-hmm. uh, we pointed out that no like it's although it's a big problem and that could be a good first step but that does not resolve the problem by any extent mm-hmm. it it was just like a marketing thing that was easy like low hanging fruit that was done mm-hmm. but we have to go far beyond that yeah just to reiterate what we are saying here is that single use plastic is good or something no 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 it's a big problem what mm-hmm. we are saying is it's just a very very small piece of this big plastic pollution problem so now the another thing which we looked into is like sort of the existing recycling process yeah particularly we looked into the recycling process of germany so for example here we have different type of containers we 
put different type of things in them but that too are very inefficient when actually we look into it like some of them are never recycled based on certain colors or certain materials are used and she also mentions the some of the products we use uses multiple types of plastics in them yep which makes it even more complex and challenging from the recycling process point of view and and i think one key takeaway i took from this conversation was looking into what exactly shampoo of bottle constitutes right mm-hmm. what are the materials into it so the the less the materials are involved the easier it is to recycle yeah even elinore talks about it and she gives us uh, various tips that even if you have like if you're living in germany and you know about the fund system where when we buy some sort of a soft drink plastic bottle or any uh, beverage then we pay a fund on it which is like a deposit like on a 1 euro bottle you'll be playing 15 or 25 cents and then you feel that if i put that back into the machine then my responsibility is done which is not entirely true it requires and it demands for much more awareness than that uh, so elinore also gave us tips about how these you should be able to uh, you should see that various recycling numbers on these plastic bottles and we'll mention that in our show notes as well if you want to take a deeper dive into it basically this three arrow making a triangle and number written on the center of it so for briefly like uh number 7 could represent something called as a biodegradable plastic or uh, number 1 is your pet plastic which is one of the most common ones that you see in soda bottles or water bottles uh other than that we also dive into the idea that okay you should be aware of these while making your purchase choices like mm-hmm. buy plastic bottles that are clear and transparent because they are comparatively easy to recycle right. we go with a zoom lens to another topic on that not just plastic and we zoom it into on a micro uh, level when we talk about microplastic like in the context of farming as well i think in recent let's say few years i would say there have been a use of biodegradable plastic has become very common in farming at least in certain regions of the world and then everyone thinks like oh my conscience is clear because this <laughs> plastic will degrade in 120 days what a lot of people don't realize is that some of these biodegradable plastic actually degrades into something called microplastic yeah and which which is basically not decomposing into anything further from there on and we are consuming it via various resources like be it a bottle that got disintegrated into microplastic in the ocean and then mm-hmm. some fish ate it and then you like sushis mm-hmm. so you ate plastic i think certain regions of the world i think when we were talking about it also offline during our research right like there are certain regions in the world where they have found microplastic elements mm-hmm. inside human bodies so it's a definitely a serious problem so these are some of the topics we have covered i hope you really enjoyed this conversation the way we did and we totally understand this is a very big and complex topic so we have focused sort of only on the dimension of plastic in this case Uh, but rest assured we will look into different aspect of it in our future episodes we not only hope that you just enjoyed we hope that you can at least take one thing away out of it at least that was the attempt and the intent but other than that yeah uh, we have a, an amazing guest and an amazing conversation lined up for you so we'll not take up much of your time just before we go into the main section you would find in show notes the recycling p- recycling numbers that we talked about the link to that if you want to understand them better uh, as usual time stamps would be in the description so feel free to jump around 
you can also follow us on our social media links. On Instagram, it's at the rate info under the radar. And on Twitter, it's at the rate info under radar without the the. And on YouTube, you could just search info under the radar and hopefully the mother algorithm would push us on probably the first page of the results. One small request before uh, we start today's episode. Last week, we released sort of a special edition of this podcast because we called it Shortcast. It's just a 15 to 20 minute episode uh, where only two of us are talking, sharing certain ideas or something which we too find interesting and sort of open the platform, you know, from there on to, to you guys. And then hopefully you can add on it via social media to us. Such passive narcissism of calling something as a special edition just because there was no third person other than the two of us. Yeah, well, <laughs> some, well actually some of our listeners said they want to hear us more. So now I hope their wishes. And to our narcissism. <laughs> Great. But uh, yeah, we would love to hear any of your comments on that. Uh, we would also be interested in knowing if you have other topics that you would wish us to talk in a shorter format. And if you have any comments, suggestions, feel free to shoot them at us. You'd find also all the social media links in the show notes. So without further ado, we welcome our guest, Eleonore Aiza. Uh, hello, Eleonore, and welcome to Info Under the Radar. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Before, before we go into let's say sustainability and the work you have been doing, I think it's very interesting to, at least for me to know, since you come from uh, the beautiful region of South Tyrol, uh, which has a lot of nature around it, a lot of mountains. Uh, and, and, and I think also the culture is also a bit uh, different than your usual city. Do you think that has something to do with your, I don't know, interest in the field of work you are doing? Yeah, definitely. So where I am from, um, there is not much, when it, like city-wise, there is only a, a small village that is surrounded by mountains and nature. And definitely that has a huge impact on you as a person because you grow up in the middle of, of nature and you feel like a part of it. So it sounds a bit weird but when I see nature suffering I feel like I'm personally suffering I don't know if that makes sense for you but mm -hmm. I really feel so connected to nature that it hurts me personally when I see this stuff and even though it was so far away from the next city and it was in the 90s so it's like uh, 30 years ago almost when I went to do woods um, I saw plastic laying around there so I was wondering ever since I was a kid how did this material get there and why is it not disappearing like all the other stuff and actually with my friends I did like uh, a few plastic collecting days they were only like three or four times that I did this but we collected like bags full of plastic and like in the middle of the Dalma it's somewhere mm. in Italy so it didn't really make sense that this material got there and this is where I realized that there is a problem yeah yeah the, the only thing I can add to it is I mean I grew up in a completely different environment very much in a city <laughs> a lot of plastic a lot of pollution but somehow like living in Munich for more than three years I would say mountains are a very very important part of my life at this point and I don't know if it hurts 
to me, physically speaking. But what I realized this winter that a lot of uh, people do togo uh, banning. So basically like sliding down on the snow. And especially a lot of people started using from last two, three years, those uh, the ones which are made out of plastic. So in German, yeah. we call them Schlitten. And, uh, and then I realized that there are super, super small particles of those plastics, mm -hmm. which are all over the track. And they're so hard to even pick them from hand. And that really made me very sad that, mm -hmm. that people are doing mm -hmm. this just for fun. And this is something I cannot even pick. Like if I see it, uh, like a piece of plastic I can pick and then put it in my bag and throw it later mm -hmm. but something like this you can't even do so I can Im only imagine coming from somewhere like Dolomites and you have sort of a difference a different feeling about these things then yeah Ellie, how folks. old were you when you the the incident that you mentioned how old were you when you observed that plastic thing lying, lying around and all that mm, maybe about what, eight years old or something Pretty yeah. early, actually. Would you say that you are in general a very observant person? Yeah, I would say so. I, I like to observe. I like to um, look around and see what's happening. And I also always try to figure stuff out on my own. Mm -hmm. So if, like, if I read something or hear about something and I'm interested in the topic, I always try to think it through myself a little bit. This is maybe also the reason why I took this decision to go this way, because I just consider it reasonable for myself. Yeah. So when you are when you are into such a thing where observation is like a second skin to you, whatever you observe, you try forming some constructs in your head. So this thing, the plastic thing that you observed helped you into generating some sort of a passion towards sustainability. And we're going to talk about what you're going in general. What I would like to know more is that what is your understanding of sustainable living in general then? Well, I think it's really hard to say because it's such a broad concept and you can't really nail it down to like a simple formula. And this may be some, something that I also want to, to point out at this uh, podcast. I feel like people always look for simple solutions for complex problems. Like plastic pollution is a super complex problem and you can't just say, uh, let's ban plastics and that's the solution. Mm -hmm. And so are like almost all topics that are um, sustainability topics. So uh, I don't know, like um, climate change is super complex. Plastic pollution is super complex. Um, the way we treat animals and we uh, produce our food is super complex. And I just would like people to... Um, dig deeper into the problem before they make up their minds about it. And this is something that I um, am a little bit concerned about when it comes to the sustainability discussion, because I feel like there are two, um, almost like two groups. So there are people who are like super pro sustainability, but they, they don't let other opinions even like or they don't like let other voices speak and they're super radical in their sustainability mm. and then there are it's the other part that um doesn't really feel like connecting with this extreme um yeah green movement and so they're like driving apart even more 
Yeah. But why, let's, okay, some, apart from the obvious reasons that one could guess, but why do you even think that a discussion or the knowledge of the sustainability today is more important than ever? Because we're getting in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Sadistic Um, laughs. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can only speak about plastic pollution because this is the problem that I've been looking at more closely in the last years almost Mm -hmm. um and like you can you can try to um think about it in every possible way but we are always producing more and more plastics and there is always going to be more um, plastics around so like even if you're not like an environmentalist or something you you have to come to the conclusion that there must be a new solution about this and innovation about this. Otherwise we will just have a physical problem of too much plastic around. Mm. So you, uh, since you mentioned that the, the topic which you know the most or, or around sustainability is plastic, uh, rightfully so. So that brings uh, me to my next question. What do you think is like the biggest, let's say short term and then maybe also long-term consequence of our current plastic usage. I was looking at the statistics and I think every year we produce about 300 million tons of plastic around the globe. So overall, since the 1950s, we have produced about 9 billion tons of plastic and we have been recycling only like really small percentage. And this is like, Recycling doesn't even mean that the material came back to what it used to be, but mostly it gets burned or it gets dumped into landfills or it, yeah, it ends up in the ocean. So um, the clear um, short term term consequences are that we are polluting our oceans, our environments, and it's especially difficult in the oceans because um, like statistics say say that there are going to be more plastic pieces than fish in the ocean by nine by 2050 if we continue like this okay Uh, the problem is that animals eat this stuff they they get sick of it the additives and the colorants and the toxics and the plastics are polluting the environment the corals are dying the fish are dying. If the fish are dying, the bigger fish are dying. And if the bigger fish are dying, we're going to get a problem. And you know, then how are we going to eat sushi? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm a vegetarian since 15 oh. years, so I'm not going not gonna to eat any uh, sushi. But um, yeah, that, that could be a problem as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, obviously over this food chain, uh, plastics is also getting into our stomachs. Uh, there, there's not much research about this because it has been like a, a quite um, recent problem. But um, there is this one study that was done in Vienna, which found out that a, a human body contains about 200 particles of microplastics, like just going to the loo one time or more or less mm-hmm. so we already are quite polluted with it and we don't know about the long-term problems yet some uh, researchers predict infertility or um, cancer 
uh, whatever, like all the bad stuff that you can imagine, because those materials have a lot of chemicals in them and quite obvious that they are not super healthy for your body. And not to um, interject it within like in, in a stupid way, but I, I somehow realized that every bad thing after 2010 ends in cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it 2010 the year when WebMD got invented? Probably. <laughs> Anything that you read. But is the, the problem that you mentioned is, is extremely brutal on the um, sea species and not just the sea animals, but the sea species. Not only do they get sick in your right, like uh, creatures like blue whale, the largest known creature in the entire history of evolution, they are dying by eating 20, 25 kilograms of plastic. And which is... Yeah stupid because i'm pretty sure they didn't sign up for this <laughs> <laughs> right but um, apart from that uh, and correct me if i'm wrong it's they add some certain sort of substances to these plastic as well to make them maybe less inflammable and all of that stuff uh, which also results in uh, making plastic far more brutal than it could normally have been um, I mean, yeah, plastic is over engineered and over designed in general. So we have these materials that uh, last for 400 years, but that you use for five seconds uh, when you buy something in the supermarket and then take the, the wrap off and put it in the trash. Mm -hmm. So there is like a, a miss, um, how you can say this, like, they're not well engineered and not well designed when it comes to this point because you could make them um, shorter living if you want to but then you also have um, to face other consequences like they're not going to be that shiny anymore they're not going to be that pretty anymore maybe they're not going to be that soft and like have all this extra um, how to say like this extra benefits that they have now mm -hmm. but a lot of um, problems that come with plastics are just convenience things that you could, e you could maybe easily not do. For example, you could just make um, shampoo bottles out of clear uh, PET, mm -hmm. which is a material that you can easily recycle up to 10 times, I would say. I'm not super sure about that, but it's easily mechanically recycled. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to add colorants. You don't have to add any toxic stuff. Okay. So it's, yeah, I wouldn't say ridiculous, but it's surprising how many factors of this whole problem just lay in the convenience and in the marketing and in the like selling stuff part. Mm -hmm. Because um, plastics are could be so much more environmental friendly if there wasn't like all this um, focus on marketing and on the consumer and making things more attractive for the consumer. So you you said said few things which uh, caught my attention. So one thing which you mentioned earlier we use plastic like a wrapping and then we throw it away. But that's only one type of plastic we are talking about. That's the single use plastic, right? Uh, yeah. but, but that's not the only, that's only the subset of plastic. And I think uh, probably sure the people who are listening to the, this podcast, they're all very aware that, okay, we all know single use plastic is the worst, but could you 
could you tell us why is that why there is so much negative attention right now on single use plastic specifically um well first of all i think we have to say that um we can't you can't really divide it in in bad and good plastic because plastic is not the problem we are and the way we use it is so mm -hmm. plastic is like like we have to start from the fact that there are many plastics there's not one plastic plastic is just the over um how to say like the umbrella term yeah so um if we think about single-use plastics, I think that uh, gets the most attention because it's the simplest solution. Because you can, everybody without any knowledge can see that, um, that this doesn't make sense. So I think um, this is the reason why media focuses so much on, on single-use plastic because it's just the easiest to understand. Also, uh, I don't remember where I read this, but um, there, you know that there is going to be a European ban of single-use plastics yeah. coming up or is already uh, done. And this is based on the research they did on beaches. So they just went to beaches and so, like were looking for stuff that was laying around and they found Q-tips and stuff like that, all this single-use mm. plastic stuff but they didn't really dig deeper into the problem, but they just thought, okay, this is the things that we find. Let's just ban those and the problem is solved. <laughs> it solves a part of the problem, but it's still not like the, the main reason. What do you think is the main reason in your opinion? Well, there is no main reason. It's a complex problem. It's, it has many um, issues on many levels. So there is this graphics, um, I think it's also on the ocean cleanup. I don't know if you if you know the the project of uh, it's Boyan Slat. It's a Dutch guy who cleans up the Pacific Ocean. I think with the technology um, that he inv invented. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I saw this graphics first on his website. It it says that there is basically three levels that you have to look at. One is prevention, one is um, consumption, and the other one is uh, recycling. So mm. those three levels all have problem. It's the problems. It starts with the design or with the engineering that we already talked about. So plastics are over-engineered. The products have five different types of plastics in one product. Mm. You will never get all those materials out again. And then it goes to the consumer who doesn't even know where to put the stuff and how it's going to be recycled and what it is. And then it goes to the recycling part where the technology is old and the system is um, slow. And yeah, as I said, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so many issues. I can't say this is the main issue because mm. it's, it's not that simple. I mean, mm. I've been looking at this problem for a while now and I wouldn't say that I know all about it mm. uh, even after like doing all this research because it's so it's so it has so many layers mm -hmm. um i just wanted to come back to um the, the thing that you said before about plastics that are have like longer lifetimes they i think there you can say see how plastic is could be used in a good way because it's actually a really good material and you can um, recycle it if you treat it in the right way. You mentioned two things that caught my attention. One of them is that 
European Union in general is planning to ban plastic. This might come as a surprise. Single-use plastic. Just the single-use yeah. plastic, yeah. Some kind of single-use plastic, not all. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, even, in, even in that uh, smaller category. Okay, I haven't read about it per se. Uh, the state where I come from and where Vishwajit, you have done your bachelor's as well. At one point in time, we actually did implement that. In Rajasthan, uh, the single-use plastic containers uh, or the bags, they were they were banned yeah. at one point, hmm. uh, which didn't turn out to be so successful, unfortunately, but that would have been a really good step moving forward. I think there are certain states, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. in my home state right now, I'm not sure if it still exists, yeah. but my mom was telling me that they completely banned uh, their also single-use ah. plastic. Yeah, which is, which is a good thing to know. I'm going to turn the wheels again, tad bit more backward. You mentioned a term that uh, humans, if they're scanned, uh, there's going to be a lot of microplastic. What exactly is this thing and where does it come from? Well, uh, microplastic is um, a smaller, like, like if plastic is thrown into the environment, it gets um, degraded by UV light, by the sun, by the water, by salt, by all the stuff that is out there, and also by uh, microorganisms. The only problem is that they are too slow. And what comes out is uh, our nanoparticles or microparticles of this material, and this is what we call microplastic. But the main cause of microplastic is not the stuff that lays around in nature um, or it is also one cause, but another cause, which is quite interesting, is that um, washing your clothes actually uh, generates a lot of microplastic. So nowadays, um, clothes are not made of cotton anymore, like some are, but mm-hmm. we all have sportswear, we all have rain jackets, we all have mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, and they're usually made of, out of polyester. Mm-hmm. and those if you wash it and uh yeah it gets a little bit of uh, heat and it gets turned around into the washing machine um you have small particles of this polyester entering the water system mm-hmm. another um another cause of microparticles are um, foil that are used in farming uh, this is also a really um greenwashed uh, area when it comes to plastic because there are plastics that can decompose and mm-hmm. people feel good about using them but they decompose into microplastics so it's oh, not really not really good so you can you you cover your your plants with these plastics mm-hmm. and they will decompose after i don't know 120 days let's say mm-hmm. but um they don't decompose totally you have like small parts of them you won't see them anymore but you have polluted your soil i think it's somewhat reminds me again of the example of the sledge i gave like those small yeah. particles just an observation i i think of last few minutes talking to you i feel like you said very nicely that plastic could be a very good thing for environment if used correctly so that's not something which we hear a lot from people when it uh, when we talk about sustainability because there are these two groups right either you are for sustainability then you hate plastic and then on the other end every everything with plastic is good and we just want to use it we don't care about uh, we don't care about it and and another thing 
another thing i feel like do you do you feel like because this subject is sort of near and dear to your heart and you also think that in your words that some of these things are based on convenience that's why is it like also heavy for you to talk about do you think it's like a hard subject for you to like emotionally speaking um no no it's not hard to talk about it but i can not watch any plastics um movies i don't know whales dying from plastic stuff anymore because yeah i don't know mm. i it just um i don't know have you watched this uh this netflix documentary that yeah conspiracy no I, I, it's on my list but yeah i'm so afraid that it will really make me sad because i have watched documentary similar to it before that's why i'm still not ready to Uh, ready to watch yeah well, you will definitely not ask the uh, about <laughs> eating sushi anymore after <laughs> watching it. i love my sushi <laughs> <laughs> so you But... should not watch it <laughs> no i i mean also the reason why i'm a vegetarian is because our um religion teacher in school made us watch these kind of documentaries when we were really um small So I get really traumatized by this. And, oh. um, <laughs> that's why I'm a vegetarian. Yeah. Oh, you're a vegetarian. So from the same group, yeah. there is another documentary which they released earlier, Cowspiracy. Maybe after watching that, veganism would be next then? <laughs> that's the reason why I'm not watching it because I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to be vegan after and um, it's already it's so hard. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not fine. that bad. I've been trying it for a couple of days now. honestly it's not that bad but either way yeah i know i'm i'm almost vegan i mean i, I eat um egg and and cheese but i don't do a lot of milk and stuff like that uh, but i wanted to get back to um mm-hmm. what you said before uh or what you asked before about um the value of plastics and like this thought that we totally need to ban plastics that i don't like um because i think if you show the value of a material um that also solves the problem a little bit the way we treat plastic is the problem not the way like not plastic itself we could make bioplastics that are like based on corn or whatever that could perfectly um like do what what we need them to do or we could recycle petrochemical plastics properly so we could reuse the the materials as raw materials or as new plastics i mean there are many ways to to solve this but i think just saying let's ban it it's mm-hmm. it's too simple mm. it's like a real i think for me it sounds a little bit like a political when you have political topics such as um i don't know refugees or something and somebody says yeah let's just close the borders mm. like th- i feel like this is on the same level of 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 solution <laughs> it's left, it's like it's not a solution yeah. it's just a it's like, a easy yeah. it's a easy patchwork i think but yeah but yeah. I, i can observe in general is that your um i wouldn't i wouldn't call it in general um discomfort but at some level it's some sort of a, a disregard towards the way people use plastic and your closeness to nature that has 
probably would be the would as you have mentioned would have, was one of the reasons that you started your company so you guys are trying to deal with this problem in a way that at least i didn't hear of before i was trying to research on what you guys are doing would you like to throw some light on what exactly are you guys doing to take like push this envelope of recycling the plastic better yeah sure um so uh, it has to do with something that i mentioned before which is the natural degradation of plastics so it is happening in nature but it's just too slow and what we're trying to do is to take this natural uh, process and to scale it up and to make it accessible as an industrial process so we are looking at the microorganisms that can decompose plastics, especially polyethylene. So we're focusing on, on the material polyethylene. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to find out what exactly inside those microorganisms does the job. Um, it's probably an enzyme or a combination of enzymes. And we're going to find that enzyme, hopefully. And um, hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, use it in an industrialized process. Okay. It's a really long way to go, but mm -hmm. if you manage to do it, uh, you have you have to imagine that at the end of the day you're gonna have a bioreactor, and there you can throw in the plastics that also contain polyethylene. If you want to recycle polyethylene or want to go back to polyethylene, mm -hmm. um, and then you put in those enzymes, they can decompose polyethylene to a certain level and what comes out are uh, components of polyethylene could be for example ethylene glycol or similar um, shorter fragments so so um, oligomers and those fragments could be reused for biofuels or for as waxes or oils or for yeah for just mm -hmm. useful stuff okay in the best case in the other case, so if we don't manage to collect the outcome somehow, you can degrade polyethylene, which is also quite good, I would say. Yeah, I, I am definitely not so much aware about how these processes work internally, but I think I was reading that these organisms are commonly known as uh, mealworms, right? I mean, like wax worms are, mm -hmm. Um, one candidate. So that's also like the, our, was our main focus for uh, most of the time, but there are also other microorganisms. So if you do, if you do research, you will find about, let's say about 30 microorganisms that are already been discovered um, that are decomposing polyethylene. And for plastics in general, it's over 90 microorganisms. Oh, okay. it, works the, it works the best for pet, um, so for polyesters. And there mm -hmm. is this French company called um, Carbias. They already um, industrialized the process for pet and it works, it works super well. So, um, well, it's, it's done for a different kind of plastic, but it's not done yet, but mm -hmm. it's, so at least it's the first step hurt. has been taken. Yeah, it, that is actually really important for us because this is the, the proof that at least the concept works. Mm -hmm. But 
this is not a, any kind of threat for us because polyethylene is a, is a whole different kind of plastic. It's a polyolefin, so it has a different chemical structure. It's actually way harder to decompose, which is not so good for us, but <laughs> hopefully we still, we still find a way. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the benefit compared to polyesters is that it also makes more sense for polyethylene, in my personal opinion, because as we said before, PET can be recycled mechanically quite easily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's still great, but it would be even more useful for polyethylene. It's mm -hmm. also the world's most commonly used plastic material, so that, that's a plus. So since we already talked about uh, this French company doing this sort of processing and you guys are somewhat looking into similar direction, not maybe at a chemi chemi chemical level, people from chemistry background were definitely maybe shouting that, no, no, it's completely different what you two are doing. But yeah. let's say for normal, normal people like us who don't have chemistry background, seems like the sort of the, the bigger picture idea is somewhat similar. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that, that brings me to, to my question. What is wrong with like the current existing recycling processes? Uh, for example, I think, okay, I mean, I use, I use plastic bottle or something like that. I go to supermarket, we pay uh, extra money for it, like fund, for example, 25 cents or something, which we pay extra. And then when we recycle those bottles, we get that money back, right? Of course, we know yeah. the problem with single-use plastic. And uh, so to me, it feels like, oh, okay, we already have a process. So can you tell us like uh, how the process you are working on is different from this sort of normal recycling process, which we see of our regular trash? Yeah. Um, the main point here is that the thing that you now mentioned works for PET and PET is one out of, I don't know, 50 plastic materials that are used in, in commercial products. So uh, what you mentioned works well, as long as the material is pure, as it's like not colored, not compounded with other materials, has no, um, yeah, this, I mean, of course it works well, but it works well for such a small percentage of plastics that it's not really a solution for all the plastics. The main, I mean, you, you can think about your, your like personal consuming goods. How big is the percentage of bottles there? It's maybe mm. like 10, 5%, not yeah. even. Not even, yeah. Yeah, all, all the rest must be recycled as well, you know? So you put it in the best case, you put it in the yellow bag or yellow container. And then there is uh, there are nine private companies in Germany that are taking care of those materials that are put into this container. So you have like a bag full of PET, PE, PP, PU, um, compounds, tetrapacks, whatever. And you bring us back to the sorting system and there the problem starts. So only about, I don't remember the exact number, but at least half of it gets sorted out. And it gets sorted out for, for stupid reasons. Like if it's black, if it's like black plastic, it cannot, cannot be detected because it's, it's a, like a, a spectroscopy system. 
mm -hmm. analyzing the plastics and the, the light gets absorbed. So it can't detect what plastic it is, gets thrown away. You have like a, uh, I don't know, an uh, aluminum, how do you say this? Like aluminum. a metal, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a metal um, part somewhere and the light detects the metal, it get, gets thrown out. Um, I don't know, you have some kind of a foil or a sticker or anything. So hundred reasons why things are not sorted. Mm -hmm. Then you get after the sorting um, system uh, process, you have like high quality, high DPE, HDPE, which can be recycled quite good. But then you also have foil and stuff like this, which can not be recycled very well because it's foil. So how do you recycle that mechanically? Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't go through all the details of, of mechanical recycling now because mm -hmm. I think it will be sure. boring. I'm not even sure you would be, understand just, it. <laughs> just be aware of the fact that most of your plastic, even here in Germany, is burned. And um, the one, the part that gets sorted, um, like has less quality than like virgin material. So, um, the consumer always wants the shiny product, so it got, doesn't get sold so much. It's getting better now, but used to be um, not so attractive for producers. So yeah, just many, many kind of different problems. So yeah, I just wanted to add where our solution comes in. Mm -hmm. So our solution works on heterogeneous plastic waste. So it could be, for example, a pre um, a pre-sorting uh, process. So imagine that the plastic bag with all the pl mixed plastics get, gets in and you put it into the enzyme reactor and then you get out all the PE at least and you get out um, like precious raw material from this PE. So you have one problem solved and then you can take care of the other parts. Fascinating. So from, if I understand it correctly, and I do not understand, I don't claim to understand even a percent of chemistry here, but if I remember from the basics, you have this worm and it could somehow disintegrate the plastic at use and break it into its elements, which it could then be utilized into, right? So it kind of seems like more of a fairy tale of sustainability that you have this magic worm, which is now going to solve the problems. However, what is the byproduct of this worm then? Like it, it doesn't, does it have, like just it consumes it and that's all we are done. It's a perfect solution. Um, maybe you haven't, like I haven't explained it properly before but the worm was just the starting point. So oh, okay. we'll, yeah. So our final goal is to find the decomposing enzymes, mm -hmm. which means that this will be like a bi biotechnological process the worm is not involved anymore in that one. <laughs> and we can't tell yet what the, um, mm -hmm. what the byproducts are because this hasn't been done yet. So mm -hmm. um, this is a super new field. And theoretically, um, polyethylene is made out of carbon and hydrogen, sorry. Um, so that's what should come out somehow in some kind of chemical uh, form and, or oligomer, mm -hmm. but we don't know yet. You, 
we have to develop the process first and then I can tell you it's right. That's true, it's, that's super, true. it's super risky. Uh, the only thing that we can compare it with is chemical recycling. Um, we try to understand what their outcome is and see if we can get somewhere near them. As I said, it could be ethylene glycol or it could be, I don't know, any other um, oligomer coming out of uh, polyethylene. Mm -hmm. But so, we don't know yet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally, it's yeah. totally understandable. I mean, that's what Dev mentioned before. I mean, the field you are working in yeah. is super new in some ways already. So the only thing I would like to ask you is what are you looking at? Like in, let's say coming months or year, what are your expectations from this process? Like, are you expecting a certain results so that this process can be built upon? Yeah, I mean, the first promising result that we already have is that we, we isolated um, bacteria from the gut of the waxworm and we put it into a media, so into a, into a fluid, let's say, mm -hmm. um, where polyethylene was their only carbon source. So whatever grew in there must have used polyethylene as a carbon source. And this is the first hint. Okay. Uh, now, right now, we um, send this bacteria to an, um, an institute that is going to analyze it, and we will find out what it is. And the next steps would be to find out which enzyme inside the bacteria is responsible for this, because the enzyme is the key. And if we have an enzyme that can degrade polyethylene, that will be super good because that's that's the magic key to this and it still it still doesn't mean that the, like the whole process is done but it shows that there is hope that this could really be a game changer and yeah so if we if we can make it to this point it will already be great and then i mean it's it's <laughs> It's a biotechnology process. It's, it takes about five to 10 years, uh, like in general, to develop a bi biotechnology process. Mm -hmm. So um, we just have to take it step by step. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to challenge the nature, and not challenge the nature, but actually capitalize on the way nature works. Like this worm yeah. is something was kind of unheard of half a decade or a decade ago in one way. And somehow it was accidentally discovered. Is it is it the case? I mean, right? I, I I think Ella can add on it, but mm -hmm. I was reading about that few years ago. I think it was set of Italian scientists who yeah. found that 2017. The, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's very recent. Crazy. Nice. Yeah. I mean it's it's like programming for a computer that doesn't exist. So it's <laughs> just it's too it's too early to answer all your questions. And I, I know that people want to know what is the outcome, what are the byproducts, how much how much plastic is it gonna but that is um, good, right? work on. But I always think like, if I would know all these answers, this would, wouldn't be an innovation, right? Because <laughs> innovation means that something is new. So I mean, don't, I don't worry. Know don't, don't. Yeah, the, the, the good thing is we are not your investors, so <laughs> it's okay if you don't have answers for us. <laughs> no, but in general, no, I guess, 
the questions come is just it? out of concern and curiosity. So in one way, even if you're giving hope and not the answer, that yeah. still raises awareness and a discussion is started. So that is already quite yeah. a good thing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just, um, just about the investors. Um, <laughs> All right. This sales is also pitch. A, 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 <laughs> no, 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 not sales pitch. A, a comment on investors in general. We met really cool investors so far. So we, we really met investors who get this um, what I just said to you right mm -hmm. now, but there are also investors which say, yeah, we want the next big thing. We want the next unicorn, <laughs> we want the next super innovation, but we want to know what you, what your revenue is going to be after one year. Well, I don't know. It could be hard. Kind of a, yeah. Yeah. Working in this could be hard. You mentioned this enzyme thing that this is one of the ways that uh, we are trying to deal with this plastic problem. Are there any other contemporary researches that you're aware of or any different ways that you're aware of which are being tested, employed, or researched upon in order to deal with this plastic problem? Yeah, there are many. And mm. this, is, this is very good because I think it has to be a systemical change on many levels. Um, one that I recently saw is actually based on AI. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So might be interesting for you. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I think it's uh, UK. Yeah, I think they're from the UK. So it's this uh, English startup called, I think it's Recycli or something. And they work with AI technology for the system, which I think it's a really hands-on and uh, like good approach. I was a bit jealous when I saw it because I thought, oh, it's so easy. <laughs> but I don't know anything about AI. So I think um, I, I think the good thing to also know here before you feel too jealous is that a lot of startups add AI yeah, with whatever true. they are using or blockchain. These are the two yeah. because that's what's getting them the money. So I am always skeptical with all the companies with AI in front of them because more often than not, they are not doing anything with AI. It's just they are doing some very basic if else logic and then that's it and maybe that's enough to get money these days i guess yeah um, i i can't really evaluate that but for me as somebody who doesn't know a lot about ai it sounded reasonable but i think you actually mentioned an interesting thing here because this is also a big advantage of ours um because people like words like sustainability and biotechnology and yeah. whatever <laughs> female founders <laughs> and and then they like they fall in love with the idea without even asking too many questions <laughs> uh -huh. it's actually also very good for us sometimes it's a different um, niche yeah. so you enjoy the convenience i mean to be to be <laughs> yeah. fair to be fair one of the reasons we are talking to you because sustainability is very interesting <laughs> i mean it's kind of yeah. Yeah. no i'm just kidding that's not that's not really true <laughs> No, it is interesting. No, but that part is. <laughs> no, no, that's not the, the that's not the reason we are talking to her. I think yeah. we, we are honestly we are talking to her because the the work they are doing is at least for two of us it's quite fascinating and interesting. Pretty much for quite a lot of people, I would assume it would be very fascinating. Anyone like there, I don't think there is any human on the planet left mm -hmm. apart from like some rare person living under the rock or this uh, different island which is inhabited that hasn't used plastic. 
Mm-hmm. But then to be concerned about it is that concern only comes when you see when you know something that you are not seeing, right? So you see plastic yeah. and border in our regular day and form, and then we feel that our responsibility is done once I put that into this machine, which gives me twenty five cents back. Two two bottles done, and I get my iced tea again, right? So this is where my problems in life end. But pretty much, I am the problem, which is not ending here. I think uh, I think yeah. the the one thing. and and that's something i'm very curious to ask and it's not necessarily related to the work you are doing or maybe it is related i don't know i was reading somewhere that the the clothes which we wear these days and i think you also mentioned something about it mm-hmm. especially from companies like zara and h&m and stuff yeah. who do mass mass production of clothing they they have actually a lot of plastic like surprising amount of plastic because as i said before um clothes are often made out of nylon or polyester or other synthetic materials so mm. um in general you're always uh, surrounded by loads of plastic in anything that you wear and you use and your um whole daily life is surrounded by plastics even if you don't uh, recognize them as as such Mm-hmm. So this is also one reason why I say imagine like if we would ban every piece of plastic like right now you would be naked and not uh, <laughs> seeing me anymore and uh, <laughs> not hearing me anymore so it's just not realistic yeah so um we covered a lot of these aspect which is about the technology of the plastic and the recyclability and however what then the genuine genuine practical question that comes to my mind is that until we reach a point where we have this magic enzyme we still need to take some action because it's not that the problem is oncoming but the problem is right in front of us yeah as someone who understands this the chemistry of this stuff and knows how long this is going to take in the current at the current point in time what are some of the suggestions tips you have for people who are willing to at least adopt towards this a sustainable lifestyle yeah i want to um to come back to a thing that you said before for this because you said um as soon as i throw in my bottle into this container thingy i feel like i'm not responsible anymore Mm-hmm. and this is one of the main um problems um in my thesis i also uh looked at a lot of the history of plastics and the psychology of plastics and this is actually the one of the crucial part this this part this moment where we decide okay i'm not responsible for this anymore i'm throwing this away although there is no way on a limited uh, planet <laughs> but you know like in your head at this point this is not your responsibility and not your fault anymore mm. and this is something that we need to be more aware of mm-hmm. um this is just more like a yeah a yeah. conceptual thing and the really practical thing is just recycle things properly it's so easy but you have to read like which material it is made of you have to put it in the right container don't mm. throw it in the in the uh, rest thing this model yeah uh, 
yeah, don't throw any kind of plastic in the bio thing, not the compostable one. It's not compostable. Like you mm -hmm. think it's compostable. It's only compostable under certain conditions, which the Munich waste management doesn't have. So don't throw it in there. No kind of plastic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, bring it to the yellow container mm -hmm. as easy as that. And one um, thing that comes back also comes back to something that we mentioned before um buy light colored plastics so if you buy a shampoo buy white bottles transparent bottles bottles made out of our pet which is recycled pet mm. because this these are, these are banal things but they help a lot is there also like a sign or something for example like there is yeah. always a recyclable sign right on the on a bottle is there some other signs which we can look at if you if you turn any plastic thing that you have like mm -hmm. there is if you turn it around there is um this symbol like this like triangle symbol three arrows making a triangle yeah mm -hmm. and inside it says zero five for example pp mm -hmm. So this is the kind of, this is polypropylene. This is the kind of plastic that this is made out of. Okay. And um, when you see HDPE, for example, which mm -hmm. is, I think, 02, or PET, which is 01, those are materials that are easily recycled mechanically. So they are, you could try to mostly um, buy stuff that is 01 or 02. The mm -hmm. material that we are focusing on is mostly LDPE, which is 04, and um, that is foil. It's hard to avoid foil, but also um, try to find stuff that, are, that is made out of one material only. Mm -hmm. As soon as it's combined and has a lot of additives and colorants and stickers and I don't know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard to recycle. Just, it's a, a quite logical thing to do. Just think about how is this going to be decomposed? And if you mm -hmm. can't even think about the way this is going to be decomposed, it means that it's not easy to recycle. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good way to think about it. At least this is what I am taking from this conversation. Like mm -hmm. right now, to be honest, the way I look at it, okay, I bought something I am never throwing it, you know, on the street or anything like I'm making sure I put it in the correct container, but I'm never thinking about how many materials are used to make this thing, right? I just think about, oh, I like this brand. I don't care what color it is and how it's going to decompose in long run. Yeah. I just think, okay, there is a recycle symbol. That's it. But now what I'm understanding is there is so much more to it. And we will also make sure to add all of that in show notes because yeah, I think it's not uh, easy to remember all of them. Uh, that, that brings also to my sort of next question. So what I am understanding is that because we have yeah, within plastic, there is so much going on, right? I mean, uh, there is there is single-use plastic, which media likes to talk about a lot because it's easy to not use. And then there are plastic like PETs, which you can recycle easily. So do you think in an ideal future where, let's say, we are not using the wrong type or bad type of plastic, in lack of better words, do you think overall plastic is good for us as a society or not? I don't uh, think you can answer that. You already noticed that I don't like black and white um, decisions or, or, mm -hmm. or good and bad um, framing. I just think 
um, that it's easier to change a system step by step than doing it in a super radical way. And I think plastics are gonna stick a lot around for a little bit longer, especially <laughs> when we look at the, at the current crisis. So we better learn how to use them properly. Mm. Um, I mean, bioplastics are a super good alternative, but we need to change the whole waste system in order to make it work. That's something, there the problem with the compostable bags comes back. It is a good idea, but it doesn't fit the system because mm. if you throw a compostable bag into your bio trash, it causes more problem than throwing it anywhere else because mm. the system can't, can't decompose it. The, the time frame is just not long enough in order for it to, to really decompose. You can't throw it into the other plastics because it's too um, waxy. So it's causing more problems than good these days, although it's a good solution. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant by there is no simple solution that the, the whole system has to change on several levels exactly. And then hopefully one day we're gonna have like a circular well-working plastic industry, but it's still far away. So with this statement, like I feel like we are coming back kind of a full circle, mm -hmm. which is in one way that plastic again, as we started with saying that plastic is not the problem. It, it basically is demanding an attitude shift in the people who use it. And yeah. uh, the one sentence that you say in, in one of your earlier answers really caught my attention and which is probably a nicer way to put it, which is that um, it might not be your fault, but you have to understand your responsibility. So that, that yeah. puts it into perspective when someone is buying some sort of plastic or any sort of stuff that is in that domain. Uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think uh, as you, as, as Dev said, we brought it full circle uh, with your statement. So going ahead, do you feel, uh, and this is sort of the last, so to speak, heavy question, and I promise I want to end the conversation at a very light question. That's what we like to do with our guest usually. So my last question uh, for you this evening would be, are you as, uh, as a normal citizen, but more importantly, also as a co-founder of a company, which is uh, fundamentally trying to rebuild this new recycling process overall, do you feel more optimistic uh, or do you feel more, let's say, I don't know, sad in lack of better words with the way we are approaching this problem of plastics or, or climate change in general? Um, in general, I'm a really optimistic person. So mm -hmm. I think that helps <laughs> a little <laughs> bit. Um, also, I see a lot of young people approaching these topics, which makes me really happy. We are also part of the Green Tech Alliance, which is a worldwide uh, alliance of, of startups and people focusing on climate change and plastic pollution and all this stuff. And it's so um, beautiful to see how many people get involved into this. And it's not only people our age, it's also people older, younger, um, people who have been like business people before and only focused on money now are changing their minds and stuff mm -hmm. like that so this 
part makes me really optimistic but then when i see movies like <laughs> the one we mentioned before even though it's like a bit over dramatic or like a bit thrown in too much into one direction but uh i don't know mm -hmm. yeah it, it makes my heart heavy and i uh, i tell you honestly that i cried so much that night because mm -hmm. sometimes i feel like we can't get out of this anymore mm -hmm. i feel like humans are just made to be like egocentric and only are able to think about their uh, short-term benefits and are never going to be able to to make it happen but <laughs> i try to not have these thoughts too much because they um they limit you and they they do not help and you need to focus on the hopeful parts otherwise you're not going to have the energy to do such a big project like we want to do <laughs> and i think i'm i'm very happy that people like you are working on it because you True. don't just feel like ah, i want to start a company and this seems like an interesting field rather you are emotionally invested in the problem itself and i think that's what also makes us beautiful as humans that's at least some of us if not all can put their energy and conscious into something which can have a very very big impact and not to end at a heavy note i have a <laughs> sort of a lighter <laughs> question so as i know you are from south tyrol and if i remember correctly you also i think you mentioned that i don't remember if you mentioned to us or in another podcast you, that you also have a hotel uh, in in south tyrol <laughs> so what My is the <laughs> I, your parents so what is the <laughs> one thing which people ask you the most in munich or in general about that area which annoys um, you <laughs> Like first question is, do you ski? The answer is yes, since I am two years old. Um, then the question that you asked before, do you feel Italian or do you feel German? Um, the answer is I feel European. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, no, but I actually, I think um, many people love the place where I'm from and they love it for good reasons because it shows how um, how things can change in a positive way and this is maybe a, a good a good example for us to conclude this podcast because in the 1920s where my grandma was born and uh, when she was young um, it was a really dramatic situation so people got um, like forced to be Italian, they get their names changed to be Italian names. And this was a really bad situation for them. They just wanted to go back to Austria and, and uh, yeah. And yeah, many other bad things happened after, but finally um, there was this, this new kind of area coming out of this, this tragic past, which is a, like a hybrid of Italian culture and Austrian German culture mm -hmm. and it came out beautifully and it turned into a whole new thing where people have blonde hair and dark eyes <laughs> and um, speak Italian and German and um, I don't know love the Alps and the sea equally mm. so um, yeah I think it's also for many people this is also the 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 attractive part about this region, those this unconventional 
mix that came out of a problem actually. But mm -hmm. I'm, I'm slightly surprised and I'm going to invite a lot of stupidity with this comment, which is that you asked that what is the one question people ask her when they know about the hotel. Right. I'm surprised no one asks if there's a room available at any point. It's in the Alps and stuff. I would like, that's the first obvious question. Probably, right. <laughs> Probably right now yeah, all the rooms to... are available due to Corona. <laughs> Yeah, right. unfortunately, but um, you should definitely all all come in summer. It's beautiful in summer. We would love to. Oh, that's definitely. so nice. That's our first invitation. <laughs> no, no, second one. Second, okay. second one. Second invitation. Uh, other guests were nice as well. <laughs> just because we record, we don't diss on our guests. Just saying it on the air. <laughs> no, but thank you, Ellie, for. Uh, uh, we kind of need to conclude at this point, as you said it rightly that. Uh, it was so nice of you to take out time for us. And I genuinely enjoyed this talk, uh, this topic, this conversation in general, mostly because I was partially aware of the issue, but now I feel slightly more educated on the front that, okay, what exactly is my responsibility on this part? And since both of us and all of us in some way are in a privileged position, so that we don't have to care about, like our daily struggles do not involve finding the next meal or finding a job on a daily basis, that doesn't just gives us the right to live freely and live rashfully, but mm. rather gives us the onus of taking a responsibility on the front that, okay, now I yeah. need to take care of something that is larger than me. And in all essence, what you guys are doing in your company, Be Warm, uh, is larger than any one individual or team or any investor that is going to come in the process. It, it, it far seeds <laughs> all of that. So thanks once again for uh, taking your time and discussing with us. And yep. I think what I feel after this conversation, which I have to say I did not felt with uh, the other recordings we have done is that I really feel, I don't know, differently I don't just think differently about the topic, but I feel differently about the topic, mm -hmm. uh, if that makes any sense, because just the way yeah. you were speaking and the, the I can sense like, I don't know if, I don't know if pain is the correct word, but at least sort of disappointment in humanity a bit. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I just felt like, oh, I need to be more aware about my actions. And with that, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. We have recorded another episode on a topic which I didn't think that could turn so dark and heavy mm. somewhere down the line, but it, I'm happy it did. Mm. How did you feel about it in general? Yeah, as I as I said at the end uh, to uh, LA that I felt emotional uh, also about the topic, uh, seeing how empathetically she was talking about it and mm -hmm. sort of feeling like looking just I can see in her eyes in a way that yeah it is very important to her and and it also made me actually very happy so that someone like her is working on it and she was very thoughtful uh, with all her answers so overall yes you're right that it did turn so to speak, a bit dark and heavy, but I genuinely think it is a dark and heavy subject for us as a society in, in many, many years to come. So, yeah. I mean, it should start a conversation, right? And if it, even if it has to start from a point of reality and the reality is dark and heavy, sure. Yeah, it, it should start from that. And uh, I don't see anything misplaced in that argument per mm -hmm. se. Uh, but it was so, um, it was a textbook example in one way in my head 
to see someone who's working in a field where they're putting their mind and hand where their heart is. Mm. So there was something refreshing to see. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that the thing with this uh, interview was that uh, that she she said also at one point that she don't look at things like completely black and white and good and bad. Mm. I really like that line because I totally uh, see what she meant by that because she was not saying ban all the plastic, right? True, true. Yeah. It, I also found it interesting and it was re-emphasized over and over again that humans are the problem. Plastic yeah. isn't. It also in one weird way has uh, reinstigated the fire in me to study a book that I have been trying to avoid for quite some time. It's a 1970s book uh, by the topic, The Limits of Growth, which basically expands on the idea that earth is a limited resource planet mm -hmm. and our population and all these peripheral terms that are coming around it they are the problem and plastic or sustainability is a symptom of a bigger disease that in general is coming which i think at some point i would love to take a more holistic approach on that in some of the future episodes maybe if i gain enough knowledge i think yeah overall just to sum it up i think uh personally i have a different appreciation mm -hmm. of a subject uh, I already cared about, but just looking at it from uh, um, maybe more, not just like the emotional aspect of it, which we, which we saw very clearly how uh, Eleonore feels about it, but then also like the work they are doing and how many challenges we have in our current existing recycling processes and the impact it's making uh, on, on us as a society. So I think she also suggested some very easy to take action items. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would suggest to our listeners if they are not already doing, maybe they can try it. That's something for sure. I want to try more in my day-to-day -day life. Uh, and with that, uh, we would like to conclude uh, this lovely, lovely episode uh, about sustainability. <laughs> and thoughts as well. Uh, so as usual, we hope that you enjoyed the podcast. We hope that you got some sort of an awareness out of it regarding sustainability and plastic. You would listen us again just uh, the week after it as usual. And we would love to receive any of your comments, suggestions or critique that you have on the social media. Our social media hand handles are on Instagram. It's at the rate info under the radar. And on Twitter, at the rate info under radar. And you'll find all those links in the show notes below as well. See you next Wednesday. Bye, everyone. Bye.